We are beginning our performance review series here as the end of the 2023 NFL season is upon us, starting with general manager Chris Greer. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your orders. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Performance review time. You know, it's, it's like when you go to school. Uh, it's like when, when you have class. It's like your job on an annual basis. You got to be able to take a step back and look at the 30,000 foot view of all of the things that have been done since the last review and assess the job that's been done. And I'm not going to give a letter grade or a GPA or anything like that, but we are going to start with everybody's favorite topic. Chris Greer. Yay, the guy that uh, many people are just going to see the title of the show, and they're going to hop in and say, he stinks, he needs to be fired. And if you feel that way, like, okay, you're <laughs> I'm going to present the facts on the show, and then I'm going to provide my opinion based on the facts. And if you disagree with that opinion, that's okay. I would just ask that you listen to this show because we're going to go over 2023 transactions, personnel wins, personnel losses, the draft. And we're going to look specifically at what has been done in the past 12 months that can be considered a win or loss from a personnel and a team building standpoint for Chris Greer. Then we'll look at Mike McDaniel and then we'll start looking at the individual position rooms within the roster. And we'll work through all of these, and we'll do these performance reviews. Should be a fun time. And we're going to start with Chris Greer, and we're going to start with the wins from the personnel standpoint, a.k.a. free agency, trades, vested NFL veterans, players that have been in the league that you made decisions to bring in or dismiss or not resign or trade for. All of that is where our discussion starts. And the first personnel win in spite of the performance of this position room um, was writing a wrong from the previous year. Um, and the wrong was franchise tagging Mike Gusecki. The Dolphins made the decision to let Mike Gusecki walk in free agency. And all he did across 17 games was post the lowest receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns that he has posted in his NFL career since his rookie season, and he managed to do that while playing over 500 snaps for the New England Patriots offense. Uh, that was more snaps by almost 100 than he played last year with the Dolphins. So you let Mike Kosecki walk. That market um, kind of told on itself with how little interest there was for Mike Kosecki. signs a deal with New England. Uh, with a lot of incentive-based pay, I would assume none of those incentives were met. 
The tight end room for Miami was not great, but Miami not bidding against themselves, letting Mike Gusecki walk, uh, a good decision. Now, you may look at that as the first talking point and say, really, Kyle, this is where we're going to focus energy. And of course not. There's a lot more to it than that, like the Elan and Roberts for David Long swap, which you know, Elan and Roberts signs for two years, $7 million with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He finishes this season with 100 tackles, two and a half sacks, um, gets his hands on two footballs in coverage while starting 17 games for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Landon Roberts, you know what he is. He was in Miami for three years after being in New England for four years. He's between the tackles type of player. Um, but Miami signs David Long for twice the dollars. It was a two-year, $12 million deal versus a two-year, $7 million deal for Elena Roberts. David Long has more tackles than Elena Roberts. He has more tackles for loss than Elena Roberts. He plays in all 17 games, which is the first time he's done that in his NFL career. And that in itself is a big win. The, the David Long addition for all of the injury things that did not break Miami's way this season. To get a more athletic and dynamic player in David Long than Elaine Roberts as your other inside linebacker. To have that player who's had injury issues go the distance and go 17 games is a win for Miami from a personnel standpoint. And guess what? He's in a contract year next year. So he's certainly going to continue to be motivated to continue to put himself in a position to be available and play games because he's going to be playing for his next contract next season. That's a financial win, or that's a, that's a a win for the Dolphins. And when you consider the linebacker market, market Bobby O'Karaki getting $10 million per season to get David Long at six as a quality starter for your defense who plays all 17 games, it's a personnel win, especially the things he can do versus what Elan and Roberts is capable of in space. I'm going to point to the bet on Austin Jackson. The insistence that this player can play is a big personnel win for the Dolphins in 2023. Getting an emergence of a first-round pick and then signing him to a contract extension that looks very team-friendly already after the leap in play that he was able to provide after not seeing him but more than 100 snaps for the entire season in 2022 in the first season of this system. The trust and faith in that player being rewarded is a huge personal win, and you can tie that to avoiding the free agent offensive tackle market. Jawan Taylor got $20 million per season. Orlando Brown got $16 million per season. Mike McGlinch got $17.5 million per season. Andre Dillard got $10 million per season. Wiley and Pipkins got $7 million per season. McGarry got $11 million per season. And Austin Jackson was better than all of those players this season. So you save money with a player on a rookie contract who didn't show you anything beforehand, but you had the internal evaluation and you avoid those big dollar contracts that everybody, including me, were trying to sign somebody up on this team to pay for. And you get the better player and you get them on a, a contract extension versus not having to get into the open market bidding war. It's a personal win for Miami. Uh, I, I would look at re-signing two players as well as big wins uh, off of last year's team, Raheem Mostert, of course, sets the franchise record for touchdowns in a single season while missing the final two games of the regular season. And Andrew Van Ginkle being brought back after he was a player who 
kind of played himself early in his career into a bigger role and then had that rescinded into more of a rotational player. And then he ends up being one of the more diverse and important pieces of this Dolphins defense for a majority of the season, particularly after Jalen Phillips goes down uh, early in the season. And then again, when Jalen Phillips tears his Achilles and is out for the remainder of the season, I'm gutted for him that he suffered the injury that he did as a player who signed for 2.6 million on a one-year deal and, and played his rear end off and earned a really nice contract. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the injury situation is with Andrew Van Ginkle, but that addition, in addition to bringing back Raheem Mostert, uh, those two paid big dividends for the Dolphins this season as well. And Mostert's under contract for 2024. We'll see what the plan is for Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, bringing in uh, via uh, free agency, Deshaun Elliott. Uh, I think Deshaun Elliott was one of the more consistent and reliable players of this Dolphins defense, wire to wire. Uh, he plays in 15 games. He finishes with 82 tackles, has seven passes defense with the interception, has a critical tackle of Tony Pollard down near the goal line in the win against Dallas at home that helped the Dolphins clinch a playoff spot. And you sign him for $1.7 million on a one-year deal? You could tell me you'd re-sign Deshaun Elliott today for twice the salary played for this year, and I'd still think it's a good value signing. It's an excellent personnel win for the Dolphins to get the caliber play they got from Deshaun Elliott, who clearly gets this system, is a good tackler, Maybe not the best in coverage, but a good tackler who understands the system for $1.7 million. It's a really good, and it was an important signing because Brandon Jones uh, was coming back off of an injury from the previous year, and the light bulb really never felt like it came on for Brandon Jones in this scheme anyway. I have two more personnel wins uh, for Miami. One is very low-hanging fruit, the Jalen Ramsey train. <laughs> Ramsey... Uh, it gets hurt in training camp early with a serious injury, misses the first seven games of the season, which is a bummer. Uh, but when he was back on the field, he was probably your best defensive player from that point onward for the remainder of the season. And you got him for Hunter Long at a three. Whoop-de-doo. And you restructured his contract. He was on the books for a cap hit for $4 million this year. And you can restructure him next year, and he's on for less than $10 million next year from a salary cap perspective as well. I can line up all over the place. I'd love to see them move them around a little bit more. That's a personal win for Miami. And then the extension is Zach Sealer before the season. Getting Sealer locked in, it becomes a double-digit sack guy this year for Miami right after you sign him to an extension that was you know, very friendly relative to the interior defensive line market. That's a personal win for the Dolphins. Now, we have our losses, and we're going to do them next, but I wanted to start with the wins. We'll talk about those next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we need the opportunity to get something off of our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important for you to let that kind of stuff out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, uh, whether you are facing something stressful with your personal life, your private life, your work life, your sports fandom life, Whatever it is, therapy, it can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Uh, we still have uh, NFL playoffs 
to look forward to if you're a fan of the game and not just a fan of the Dolphins. But there's also a bunch of other sports going on right now. And uh, Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the most fun way to stay engaged and in the game. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it is you against the numbers instead of battling against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and you can watch your winnings roll in a prize picks projection pick that has six correctly picked stat projections can win you up to 25 times your money. So if you like good ROI, you like good bang for your buck, prize picks is the place to be as well. Uh, you can play from your phone, accept Apple Pay to make sure you are quickly in the game. And there's quick withdrawals with easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types, all of which make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Catch my breath here. Let's get into the personnel misses for Miami. And like the wins, like the hits, we'll start with the modest one. Uh, the, the modest one being the punter position. It was a position that the Dolphins, I think at a number of critical junctures throughout the course of the season, felt. Now, there were other times there where they had issues with, with the kicking game and did not get hurt by it, but in a number of critical instances, the kicking game did hurt you. The transition from Thomas Morstead to Jake Bailey as the team's punter uh, was as big of a personnel downgrade as you can find on this 53-man roster, win healthy or potentially otherwise, anywhere from the 2022 group to the 2023 group. Anywhere. Morstead was an outstanding punter for this team in 2022, and he walks because he's older, I guess. Uh, and you bring in Jake Bailey, who I thought did not live up to the standard that Morstead set the previous season. Uh, so that is a big trend. And it's not even like dollars were a part of that, too. Like they played for comparable dollars again this year. So I look at the Morstead to Bailey swap as a hard pill to swallow. We talked about the bet that the team took on Austin Jackson as a win. Pun intended. The team also bet on Isaiah Wynn uh, staying healthy. And, and it, it it's hard because he signed on a one-year $2.3 million deal. And when he played, and he played the first seven games and three plays of the eighth game, or six games and seven, three plays of the seventh game against Philadelphia. He was really good. Like he was good. Um but the story with Isaiah Wynn is the story that it's always been with Isaiah Wynn since he has came to the NFL level as a first-round pick out of University of Georgia where he never missed a game at Georgia. His rookie season, he played in eight games. His second season, he played in 10 games. He starts 15 games for New England in 2021. Then he plays in nine games in 2022, including getting benched. And then he plays in Miami and plays in seven games. It's it's It's... He's played in 50 games in five years. He is what he is. So you tried to go economic with a guard spot. And it hit for about half the season. And then it didn't hit 
and what you were left with really impacted how you called the passing game, especially once the other injuries to Robert Hunt and Connor Williams, both of which played 100% of the snaps for you offensively in 2022. They both played less than 50 this year. So it really compounds when you try to go economic in that spot when you also have bad injury luck at those other two spots that were considered to be pillars as well. So that's an unfortunate break for Miami, but but still a bad bet to place in, that, that he would be an outlier this season. I would point to two trades the Dolphins did make. Uh, the Dan Feeney sign and trade uh, before the start of the season, where Feeney center experience as a utility interior offensive lineman. Uh, the potential to not play Lester Cotton. Uh, Obviously, that you kind of forced your hand there, and then once Connor Williams gets injured, you now have Lee Eikenberg, who'd never played center in a competitive setting. I know we took snaps with it in the spring, but it was still new to the position, and it took him a while to settle in, and it, it really impacted Miami. Unfortunately, they were able to win through a lot of that early on. But you did cut short your flexibility and then had to play a worse player because everybody got hurt. Not that you can necessarily see all of the injuries coming, but you should have expected some of the Isaiah Wynn injuries to happen. And then the next thing you know, you're on interior offensive linemen four, five, and six, and potentially five, six, and seven as the guys who are taking snaps for you um, on the inside, down the stretch for this Dolphins team. So the sign and trade of Dan Feeney is probably one that I would like back, and that means I don't have the pick that would be traded for Chase Claypool which was a, I guess, ambitious decision. Highly skilled player. Maybe their long-term view, if they re-sign him, is to convert him to tight end. I could tell you he's, he's not very promising as a wide receiver in this scheme. Drops the touchdown against Baltimore. Looks like he ran the, the wrong route against Buffalo, where the ball has to come out early from Tua in the final possession of the game. Uh, the alignment issues, execution issues, poor angles as a blocker early when he first gets in here. And then he's inactive for a while because he apparently has a knee procedure. It was just a move that, that not a lot went well for the Dolphins. Um, I would look at Braxton Berrios becoming the de facto third wide receiver. Miami needed somebody who could win consistently in that spot and down the stretch, uh, be it Cedric Wilson, who's getting a lot of run when Waddles hurt or Braxton Berrios in the slot, trying to separate against Teron Johnson. Uh, you needed a more dynamic player there. And maybe it was going to be Eric Azukama. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is Berrios, while he was a quality player in the kicking game for you, I, th I think he was a, a quality upgrade from a special team standpoint, you actually got to return kicks this year instead of fair catching everything. And he really only had one lapse and it was not a muff punt or a muffed kick. It was catching a ball that was going out of bounds that cost you 15 yards of field position uh, against Baltimore. He's a quality special teams player, but for his salary at three and a half million dollars, you paid him also to give contributions on offense. And it felt like the second half of the year, you didn't really eat a lot. So I'd count that as a miss for the, the salary that was paid for Brax and, and what he came in and gave you offensively. I st again, I still think he, I'd love to have him back to be a special teams guy in a bottom of the, the wide receiver room contributor to the team. But in a reduced role, you need more guys in front of him on the depth chart at wide receiver. 
not finalizing a Christian Wilkins extension before the season. Uh, Chris Greer spoke on this in the exit interview with the media. And sure enough, uh, Wilkins did indeed bet on himself. The Dolphins made an offer that they felt was quote-unquote fair. Wilkins' camp apparently conceded that it was a fair offer, but they were going to bet on themselves anyway. And now you're rolling into this offseason with no new deal done for Wilkins, and he's probably boosted his value 4 or $5 million per season. If he hits the open market, and if Christian wants that to happen, he's going to either put the Dolphins' feet to the fire and force them to cave before he gets there, or they're going to prompt them to use the franchise tag and then try to facilitate something from there if the Dolphins are committed to not letting him go. But not getting the Wilkins deal done before the start of the season now hurts because it's it's going to cost you money if you bring him back now. And then the last one that I have is not pursuing one of, quote-unquote, my guys, a guy that there was some low-hanging fruit for you previously with San Francisco, uh, not pursuing Daniel Brunskill uh, in free agency. And he signs in Tennessee, and he's the only constant on the Tennessee offensive line all season long, it felt like, other than Aaron Brewer is a 280-pound center. Brunskill, I think, would have been, instead of Dan Feeney, he'd have been more expensive, but not by a crazy amount, and he'd have more experience in the system and he would have given you an upgrade over what Liam Eikenberg ended up being. Because uh, Liam ends up being your center guard flex player. Brunskill has actual game experience snapping and can play guard as well. So those are my personnel misses. And we'll summarize it at the very end, but we're also going to touch on the draft. Um and the hits and misses from the 2023 NFL draft from Chris Greer's perspective with only a handful of picks to work with, but that is next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. I know we use sports as the escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but if we could just talk about real life for just a minute, uh, according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, and that's scary stuff. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than one of my loved ones getting sick and not having the antibiotics that they need uh, or the life-saving medication that they need because of a supply chain issue. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Now visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. Be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off of your order. So we have the draft. Dolphins had four picks. <laughs> and um, I think it's easier to boil down I have a hard time critiquing too much the stuff that happens outside of the top 100 picks. Just because the consistency, you can look at Puka Nakua's pick 177 and say, you guys probably should have drafted Puka Nakua. Yeah, of course. But the Dolphins didn't have a pick from 84 to 191, I think, was their next pick. So, and the success rate, you, you scroll through the players that were picked in that range between Devon Achan at pick 84 and their next pick of Elijah Higgins, 
Puganaku is the name that stands out, and there's about 100 other names. And many of them did not make meaningful contributions to their team. So just from a law of averages and a statistical probability standpoint, I grade the top 100 picks much harder. So I think your hits are Devon A. Chan, obviously, just short of 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, everything that Mike McDaniel wanted in a player with backfield element to add to the mix. I think there's a lot of upward mobility for him to grow. Looking forward to see how his body evolves as he's now a full-time professional football player uh, and what that evolution for him can look like. But he was one of the most valuable pieces to this Dolphins team offensively. And I think your other hit is an undrafted free agent gem in Julian Hill. Hill, uh, kind of a perfect dirty work type of player, ends up passing Tyler Croft on the death chart as the second tight end. Brings a lot of really good physicality from a small school in Campbell. Um, has some receiving upside and some chops that, that you know, he, you'd like to think maybe he can be a little bit more of a, an active contributor uh, in the passing game. But just the fact that you have an inline player in tight end who you have for several years of control in our UDFA contract now is a really nice hit for Miami. Those are two hits from this draft. Uh, the misses, I'm putting Cam Smith down with an asterisk because I certainly don't think the book is written on Cam Smith. And I think Dolphins fans are a little bit more apprehensive about Cam Smith because they've now watched Channing Tindall go two years without getting any meaningful run at all. And that includes Jerome Baker going on. So I get it. I get it. I get the apprehension. I get the questions. This was your top pick. This was your top player in the draft class. You pick him at 51 overall. So if you look at it through the lens of if you wanted to maximize your team this year, Cam Smith probably would not have been the pick if you go back and redraft because he couldn't crack the lineup and he's in, in healthy scratch down the stretch. It's a tough look. Now they've they've talked about the reasons why wanting him to continue to trust his technique and trust the defense. We'll see long-term, right? Uh, but if you're just boiling it down to maximizing your investment opportunities for 2023, Cam Smith goes down as a miss. And, and the players that, that came off the board between 51 and 84 that I noted, uh, Rasheed Rice at wide receiver. I don't know that wide receiver would have been on there uh, list of priorities at that stage. Osiris Torrance at guard, uh, another right guard, natural right guard, another mauler type, not quite as athletic as Robert Hunt. He's started all season for the Buffalo Bills. Sidney Brown at safety. I certainly think that would have been an upgrade over Brandon Jones. Tank Dell, another speedy wide receiver. Tucker Craft at tight end with the Green Bay Packers. That's one that, that maybe uh, looms large. As a missed opportunity because it was a crazy good tight end class. I have a feeling it's going to continue to be a crazy good tight end class for years to come. Tajay Spears, running back. You're not going to double dip at running back, so I don't dang, ding him too hard there. And Yaya Diaby, uh, pass rusher with the Jaguars uh, as well. Th those were the players who I identified the seven best players that went after pick 51 and before pick 84 when you made your next pick. All of which would have given you, I think, more meaningful contributions to the team this year than Cam Smith. Now, again, we'll see long-term on Cam Smith.
because I don't certainly don't think that selection was made with the intent when you had Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey under contract plus Gator Kohu that he was going to be a um, plug and play type of starter. And then cutting Elijah Higgins, which I don't know how hard I'm going to be with you there because it was a fringe top 200 draft selection that got claimed by the Arizona Cardinals as the team with a top waiver priority. And he didn't do anything for, for Arizona. You get the same thing happens with Ryan Hayes gets cut. That's what happens when you have good rosters is you cut good players as, as young players that um, aren't ready to contribute to your roster immediately and they get claimed elsewhere. You get Hayes back on the practice squad after he moves on from the Colts. So in totality, here's the list that I have for personnel hits and misses and draft hits and misses for Chris Greer. Uh, not make, not being in the Mike Isecki market, flipping out Elandon Roberts for David Long, betting on Austin Jackson this season, despite all the evidence otherwise, extending Raheem Mostert, re-signing Andrew Van Ginkle, signing Deshaun Elliott free agency, extending Zach Sealer, trading for Jalen Ramsey, and avoiding the free agent bidding of the top of the tackle market are all big, in my mind, personnel wins. The losses, you downgraded a punter from Morstead to Jake Bailey. You needed a better player to be your wide receiver three in this year's offense than Braxton Berrios. Or if you wanted to, to point to Cedric Wilson, who you renegotiated his contract, which is probably a win that you reduced his salary and saved some money. Uh but regardless, it was a big investment, and it was an, another previous decision that had been made that you had to minimize, so you don't get too much credit for doing that. Trading for Clay, Chase Claypool, signing and then trading Dan Feeney away, betting on Isaiah Wilson, Isaiah Wynn to stay healthy, not pursuing Daniel Brunskill as the alternative on your interior, and not finalizing a Christian Wilkins contract extension stand out as the biggest L's of the personnel um, from a pro personnel standpoint, in my eyes, for Chris Greer this year. In the draft, you get a home run with Devon A. Chan. Uh, you got a really good UDFA gem in tight end Julian Hill. But with retrospect, maybe you would have liked to have been a buyer earlier in this really, really good tight end class that had a lot of contributors. Obviously, Laporta was outside your range because you didn't have first-round pick. Not the fault of Chris Greer. Um, that they didn't have first-round pick this year, although they did choose to trade one of their first-round picks for Bradley Chubb. Um, cutting Elijah Higgins, who got claimed, so you didn't get to see that investment through. Maybe that helps spur the Chase Claypool trade in the first place. And then the Cam Smith selection. I think there's more good than bad here. There's bad. There's things that you would want back. I think the process with a lot of it was good. Um, and I continue to support and be a fan of the job that Chris Greer is doing as the general manager of this football team. I know not everybody feels that way, and that's okay. But I hope if you were averse to Chris Greer, you still listen through the podcast, as I asked at the beginning, and you at least heard me out. We'll do our continued performance review tomorrow. We're going to head to the coaching staff and, and Mike McDaniel next on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Dolphins. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great rest of your day. We are out of here. Fins up.